Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. On April 8th, 2024, all manner of sky gazers across North America will lift their protected eyes up to behold an extraordinary celestial event, a total solar eclipse. It won't be the first in recent years. In fact, the last one whose path crossed the STLPR listening area was in 2017. Getting another so soon, and one that'll last almost a whole four minutes, is a rarity indeed. But solar eclipse watching is no new thing. Humans have kept watch, kept track, and kept trying to understand what solar eclipses mean for millennia. Manuel Erando Manel Merando is assistant professor of physics at Washington University, who will be giving a talk this Saturday morning about that, and he joins us now to offer a preview of it. Manel, welcome to St. Louis on the Air. Thanks, thanks for inviting me. Now, you dove into what historical writings can tell us about some of the first recorded solar eclipses in human history. What was the earliest recorded solar eclipse? So the first uh, recorded solar eclipse that we that we have knowledge of, it was recorded by Chinese astronomers, and it's uh, it's dated to year um, 2137 BC. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so it's more than 4,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was recorded in, um, so it was in the in the time of the Shia dynasty, mm-hmm. and and they they had a book of records that they called the the, the Shia Shu, which I, I think it translates to the the book of the of the dynasty of, of the Shia, mm-hmm. and and they recorded they recorded this event, and in particular they recorded this event because they they were keeping track of eclipses to basically keep track of their calendar, mm-hmm. right? Because there's this, there is a, a sort of periodicity to this, to, to how the moon and the sun and, and the earth move mm-hmm. so that every about 18 years, the sun, the moon, and the earth are more or less at the same spot. So every 18 years, kind of the whole cycle go, goes back to where it was. Mm-hmm. And and that would that would keep their calendars on on track. So these these um, these astronomers were were trying to predict this this eclipse, and they kind of missed it. And that's what this <laughs> why this one it looks like that's the reason why this one went on the record. Right. So when you say kind of missed it, what were the circumstances surrounding that? Uh, well, so the again the story says that these these two astronomers of the court they. Uh, it looks like they were out drinking instead of having been doing their calculations about when the eclipse would would happen, uh, and and then when the eclipse happened, and they had not notified the 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 emperor that that this eclipse would happen, and they had failed to make the prediction. Let's say that the emperor wasn't very happy about it. Okay, yeah. and I mean I think it is important too to talk about what they were expected to do during the eclipse. And that was it had to do with um, warding off uh, evil and danger. Yes, so I think it eclipses have been always associated with uh, usually more often than than not with bad things happening rather than than good things happening. Sure. Uh, and 
And it sort of makes sense to think about, uh, so if we think about the, the earliest humans that were basically nomads and living off of, of nature, it made a lot of sense for them to be looking at the sky because you can get a lot of good information if you're looking at the sky. Mm -hmm. uh, the moon and the sun are our first calendars. And if you are living off of the land, it's, of course, very important to know when the seasons are changing, uh, when your um, <clears throat> when your hunting is going to be better in certain areas, when it's going to get colder, when you need to store food. So they were keeping track of this, these patterns in the sky, like the sun raising higher in summer and going lower in winter, and trying, trying to make predictions mm -hmm. out of it. And that was very useful for them. But at the same time, there's things that happen in the sky that are not related to the seasons or, or to our calendar, like, for instance, uh, solar eclipses or comets, or sometimes, I don't know, stars go into explosions and there is a nova. So there's a new star that shows up in the sky that, that you didn't know. And because they were so well-trained to finding patterns, then probably they thought, oh, these weird things that are happening that are not as predictable, uh, they may have coincidentally happened when something bad happened to the community, and then those associations stayed in there, and that happened to eclipses. So for mm -hmm. most, uh, in most cultures, um, lunar eclipses and solar eclipses were usually bad omens and, and sign that something bad would happen, and then they would have their rituals to protect themselves for this. Mm -hmm potentially bad things. And then the rituals involved doing things to ward off. Yeah, to, yes. So there's there's different interpretations about what the, the eclipses were, I think. So one of the one of the ones that I found, for example, in in in, in Chinese um, culture was what there was a dragon that would be eating up the the sun and and they would try to to protect the sun from this uh, from this dragon that was eating it because of course they needed the sun because uh, it's uh, oh, right. it, it's it's important for 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 living yeah. right right and so the, ultimately what happened with those astronomers were that they were yeah so eventually again the emperor w wasn't very pleased about them having missed the the prediction of the of the eclipse so so yeah so they were executed it okay. looks like <laughs> Yeah. Now, there are other examples as well, and it, one of the most famous ancient solar eclipses was recorded. This was in 585 BCE in Anatolia, present-day Turkey, during a battle between the Medes people and the Lydians. What is it that we know about that day, Mana? So it, it, we know from later, um, uh, later reports from, from historians, uh, from Herodotus in particular, that um, apparently the two, the two uh, armies went, to, went into battle that day. And towards the end of the day, uh, they say, I mean, the, 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 the record says that the, the sun disappeared from the sky and the day turned into night, mm -hmm. which it's very easy to interpret as, as a solar eclipse happening. And basically, the two, uh, the two armies were kind of paralyzed by the event, and and they decided to work on a pre peace treaty that actually set the the river where this happened as the as the the border between the two mm -hmm. uh, between the two nations for for a few years. And the Greek philosopher um, Thales of Miletus came to some renown after this, right? Yes, and it was because, again, according to records, uh, he had predicted, he had warned the the the, the armies that there would be an eclipse happening uh, in that in that region at, at that time, and 
at least the the, the archaeoastronomers that that study this uh, this type of events, there is no consensus on whether he could have predicted it or or not. Uh, but but it, at least there's a historical records that says that that he did, and and of course if if you are able to predict an event that's so rare that 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 made him uh, made him famous famous basically. yeah 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 more <laughs> more famous than than what he already was. Mm-hmm. Now you did mention that there were many cultures and civilizations in which eclipses were regarded as inauspicious signs. What were a couple of those civilizations and what details can you sort of share to help us understand how they were, uh, they were dealing with or managing um, these events? Yeah. So what, one of the, the examples that I, I like the most is what, um, what was happening in Mesopotamian cultures or, or the, the Assyrians. So we're talking about between, I don't know, 2000 BC and, and 6000 BC, so uh, a while ago. And and they had they, they they were very good astronomers and and astrologers, so they were keeping track of everything that was happening in the sky, and they had this um, they they thought that again solar eclipses and lunar eclipses would be a, a bad omen and something bad would happen, and in particular they so they thought that something bad would happen to the king. Mm-hmm. Um, so a total solar eclipse is pretty rare, right? But partial solar eclipses are not that rare. They happen more often because they, they cross a, a wider swath of the, of the Earth. Mm-hmm. And depending, so for partial solar eclipses, depending on what part of the sun was being kind of beaten by, by the moon in this case, mm-hmm. um, they, had, they, had divided, they had divided their kingdom in four regions. And depending on what part was, was being obscured, they would think that that king was the one that was in danger. Uh, but they had a set of rules. Like, for example, they said... Um, if the if the if there's a solar eclipse, but Venus and Jupiter are in the sky, then the king is safe, uh, but probably the enemy will attack us. Okay. So they had a, a series <laughs> of rules, and whenever whenever there was a solar eclipse where Venus and Jupiter were were not in the sky, and then that meant that the the king was not uh, was not safe. Mm-hmm. One thing that some kings thought was, well, then maybe now that this eclipse happened and something bad's going to happen to me, I'll step down. Uh, and they would put someone from the from the court as the king for a while, and then uh, again to protect the whole community from uh, from the bad omen that the that the eclipse was signaling, they would sacrifice the the king, which was the substitute king, right? Right. The, right. Um, so that that is re- it's recorded. There's several records of that happening, and there's one record of a king that was uh, was the, the king of the Assyrians around around year eight, uh, 1800 uh, BC, where the king stepped down. They put a substitute king, but then apparently the king died during those days. Uh, according to the records, because he was eating soup that was too hot. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's the. Danger. I, I I always tend to eat my soup colder, oh, oh, just, just to make just to <laughs> just make sure to that I'm not <laughs> on the safe side. Um, but yeah, but the actual king died, and then the person that had just stepped up, who was probably the gardener of the of the of the court, he continued to rule, and he was the the king until he died, hopefully of of, of natural causes. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm I'm chuckling over this when people hear these stories. How do they respond? I mean, is it mostly incredulity, or um, you know, do they relate with it in some way? I 
I think so. Like some some of these <clears throat> some of the material that I'll uh, that I'll talk about in um, on on Saturday is um, is material that I developed for for an astronomy class. And whenever we went into historical events or or uh, or events that had more to do with with culture, the students tended to to like it because it it makes it makes it more relatable, right? It, mm-hmm. If uh, if we are telling you to study how the moon and the sun move, yeah, that's that's interesting. But if, if you can see how it relates to events of, of cultural or historical significance, usually usually people are a bit more more excited about mm-hmm. it. We're speaking with Professor Manel Arando, who is an assistant professor of physics at Washington University, and we're talking about our understanding of solar eclipses over time in human history, how it's affected culture, uh, and how we do things. So understanding over time, I mean, generally speaking, how is it that human understanding of eclipses has changed, and, and what has um, what has really been the thing that has driven a deeper understanding? So I, I think the understanding of eclipses is linked to our understanding of the cosmos, right? And and we know that, for example, in, in, in ancient Greece, uh, there were uh, philosophers at the time that, that were ensure that the Earth was the center of the universe. <clears throat> so the... Most civilizations they they tried to they tended to put the Earth at the center of the universe and then have the Moon rotating around the Earth, the Sun moving around the Earth, and the stars moving around. Um, so, so then in that in in that uh, kind of primitive way of understanding the cosmos, usually in 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 cultures it was more linked to the de- the deities that they had mm-hmm. at the at the at the time. They would have a deity for the Sun, a deity for the Moon, and then when for example, in the in the in in Chinese records, we know that they are talking about an eclipse because they say, well, at that time, the sun and the moon they were no longer um, how did it say they they, they were no longer living peacefully in the sky, mm-hmm. right? So there, it's kind of a battle between different different deities. Um, but of course, later on, with uh, with for instance uh, Ptolemy, which was an astronomer that made very precise uh, records of the motions of the uh, of the Earth, the Sun, and the Moon and the planets, then it was it was understood that basically the, the eclipse is actually the Moon blocking blocking the Sun, and then of course with with Copernicus uh, kind of shifting the, the Earth from the center of the universe and 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 putting the the Sun at the center. Mm-hmm. Um, that that also changes a little bit our, yeah. our understanding. So when is it that scientists started forming then a more accurate understanding of what a total, total solar eclipse is? Uh, that's a that's a good question. I would I would think probably in the in the in the Greek era with the with with philosophers that were already. Uh, Understanding that the, the probably the Earth was moving around the Sun and the Moon was moving around the Earth mm-hmm. and, and the Earth was carrying the Moon around the Sun, uh, but yeah, but I'm I'm not hundred percent sure yeah. when when that was kind so of first established. To bring it a little bit closer to our time, yeah, there was a solar eclipse in 1919, and it is credited with rocketing Albert Einstein to fame. How so, Mana? Uh, so in that um, so that eclipse in 1919. Um, Arthur Eddington, who was a, a, a British um, astronomer and, and, and physicist, 
he he basically wanted to test the theory of general relativity from from Einstein, which basically Einstein says that that gravity is basically a, a feature that we see because space time or or space is curved, right? Mm -hmm. And then there was this prediction that the sun, because it's a very massive object, it would curve space, and then it, the the light from stars would bend as it was going around the sun. Mm -hmm. So of course we cannot observe stars behind the sun because the sun is so bright and, and the stars are so much dimmer. But then they thought, well, during a solar eclipse, the, the disk of the sun is blocked and I will be able to see the stars behind the sun. Mm -hmm. And if the stars have shifted their position a little bit, then I will know that, that Einstein's right. Right, right. Um, so they did, they, they mounted a couple of expeditions in different spots to make sure that they would they would be able to see the, the total solar eclipse and they took pictures and they measured the positions of the of the stars and and they showed that that in fact the stars had shifted right and that the light was being bent by the the mass of the sun and that, that Einstein was right and then the, the way we understand gravity uh, was basically the, or the way gravity works was was the way that that Einstein was uh, was promulgating which was a bit funny politically because Eddington, being a British, um, a British astronomer, he was basically proving Einstein right, which was a, a German uh, physicist, and proving Newton wrong, which was the, a very famous uh, British British physicist. So there was also politics in, oh, yes. in, in that in, in those expeditions. Now today, I mean, we know so much more about total solar eclipses than we have for most of human history. How is it that eclipses help advance our scientific understanding uh, in the 21st century? Uh, so we know, so for example, uh, helium, the, the element helium, was discovered during a, a solar eclipse in the 19th century, actually. And, and also all these historical records of, uh, that we have of when and where an eclipse happened, they have helped us, for example, to, to measure that the Earth is spinning a little bit, uh, so that the that the Earth is spinning slower and slower. So that basically the the days are are growing longer and longer as as time goes on. We have records that say, well, in this uh, at this day on this particular position there was an eclipse. But then when we when we did the simulations and 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 we go back, we find that the position is a little bit off. Mm -hmm. And and the reason to explain it is that the Earth um, spin speed has changed slightly. And the best measurements that we have of, the, of that effect are from historical records of, of eclipses. Mm -hmm. Now, we had opened the show by saying on April 8th, there will be a, a total solar eclipse. Will you, Manal, be among those looking up at the sky then? I'll definitely, yeah, I'll definitely will. Yeah, and yeah. As, a, as a physicist, and then also just as a human being living here, what is it that excites you about that forthcoming event? Yeah, so I was I was lucky enough to be able to see the the, the last eclipse that happened uh, in this area in 2017. That that was the first time that I saw a, a total solar eclipse. Oh, okay. And it was it's really spectacular. Well, first because it's also kind of a, a community event. Like you are there with people, and everyone is looking at at, at this one thing. Right. Um, and then also, I mean, I think that I don't know. Short of being able to go on a on a spacecraft and seeing the Earth from 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 outer space, uh, a solar eclipse shows us basically how the universe works. It's kind of a very in that very precise moment. Mm -hmm. So that's that's what I'm looking forward to.
Manal Arando is Assistant Professor of Physics at Washington University in St. Louis. Manal, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Doerr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. St. Louis on the Air proudly supports local artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.